Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. KYW Original Podcasts. Hey, everybody. This is Flashpoint host Cherry Gregg. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast. Would you do me a favor when you're done listening? Would you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast? We need your reviews to take us to the top. Thanks. Now let's get to it. This week, the focus is the first ever virtual Democratic National Convention. The party made their case as to why the Biden-Harris ticket is best for America, but how'd they do, really? We have that feeling again that we had in 2008. Was it enough to draw in the diverse coalition needed to win? We may not look alike, but the fact is we all want the same thing. And what will be the Republican response? We dig in with a local focus. Then, are Patriot Home Care changemakers using cycling to whip up voters? It was the biggest way that we could make an impact. Their innovative socially distanced method designed to drive registration. We'll be right back. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at donors1.org. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. The focus is the first ever virtual Democratic National Convention. This week, the party nominated Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris to run for the nation's highest offices, laying out the Democrats' case to American voters. How did the Democrats do and what will be the counter argument by Republicans? With me to discuss this Flashpoint is Christine Jacobs. She's executive director of Represent Pennsylvania, Neha Mukherjee. She is a student at Brown University, and she wrote an article for The Inquirer. We have Larry Seisler of Seisler Media, and finally, Brittany Smalls, the Pennsylvania State Coordinator for Black Voters Matter Fund. Everybody, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So first of all, I want to start with you, Christine. How do you think the Democrats did? I love this new format. The first night, I read a couple comments about Michelle Obama, where people were saying, oh, that would have been a great speech in a convention. And I disagree. I thought that many of these speeches, including hers, were couch to couch, sofa to sofa. She was talking right to me. And I found so much more of it, so much closer, so many more things I could relate to, so much screaming and yelling and the intimacy of it really brought home the issues. Yeah, because it was like watching a film, like a four-part film uh, over the past few days. Brittany, I want to ask you, how do you think they did, and, and, and did they target enough segments of, of the coalition? I do. I really do think they were very on target. Um, again, what Christine said, it was couch to couch. Um, everybody was engaged. Um, you really felt a sense of urgency when it comes to this upcoming election. You felt the vulnerability, especially from our Queen Mother, Michelle Obama, she really brought it home for us. And, you know, Jill Biden, when she went into the classroom, she was very vulnerable. She really spoke well about her family and about, you know, how the faith leads them. And it, it was just very compassionate. 
Neha, you're going to be holding the water for a lot of the young voters here. Uh, did they, do you think what was said sort of hit home with younger voters, uh, pulling them in, especially since people kind of don't know what to think about what young voters think about this? I think they did a really great job pulling young, young voters in. And something that struck me particularly was when uh, Hillary Clinton said, you know, don't give up on America. Because for a lot of us, the first election we really saw was 2016. So it's very easy to, to feel like giving up. So I, I really appreciated that when, when she, I felt like she was speaking to us. And then later on, uh, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, they all mentioned how important young people are in you know, in fighting for justice, fighting for equality. So I felt like they did a great job speaking to young voters. Larry, who was left out? Was anybody left out? <laughs> and you had, every, you had everybody from John Kasich to uh, AOC. I think the way they did it was really good. Listen, I've been, to, I've been to conventions and, you know, did I miss sort of the excitement and the crazy hats and the noise and yeah, but I also didn't miss sort of how long it went and the sweat and the applause that goes, you know, for, you know, forever. And I, and I think because this moment is so serious and critical in our history, doing a stripped down version like this, as somebody else said, really brought it home. And I gotta say, I'm not a sentimental type guy, but I was tearing up with Joe Biden last night. I really was because it just showed how important this moment is and where he's been and where he wants to take us. So. I think, I think they put everybody in and I think it showed the coalition. I know that some people were uncomfortable with some people, but in this moment, everybody got to get over it and everybody knows what we have to do. Yeah, you had trans representation. You had lots and lots of women, Christine. I mean, I think women outnumbered the men as far as the speakers. Yeah, but Cherry, welcome to um, politics of the future. I think you're going to see more and more women are, are electing to run for office. More and more women want their voices heard. I think you're going to see, uh, and Nancy Pelosi has been leading that charge with the uh, in the House, and you're going to see many more women, including many more women of color, elected this cycle. And I think that the the way that the um, House of Representatives looks in terms of number of women is going to be changed, and the Pennsylvania legislature is going to look vastly different in 2021 than it's looked in the past because of the number of women candidates. Women are going to help us flip this legislature. I got to bring Larry back in here. Do you think white guys felt left out here? I'm white guy. I'm one white guy who didn't feel left out. I mean, you know, I was all for it. Listen, I, I don't think you can look at it that way. I think people have to look at it. We're, we're all in it together. And I don't look as, at Joe Biden as a, a white guy who's a couple years older than me leading the ticket. I, I, don't, I don't look at it that way. But, but what Trump is gonna try to do is he's going to try to portray it that way. And that's what, and he's going to go to his base and that's what he's gonna say. He's gonna say, look at those people, where they, do they represent you? Do they reflect you? And though we may not look alike, we may not talk alike, we might not act alike. But the fact is, we all want the same thing. And we want unity, we want a calm, and we want to live in a civil society where change is, is possible. By the way, I don't mind being phased out. I'm good with that, as long as, <laughs> as, long as, as, long as the future is good. You know, Larry, yeah. it's not a question of being phased out. And I think the point that many of the speakers made over the last four days is this is additive. 
This is not taking anybody out. This is not moving anybody beyond. This is not about people losing power. It's about having a reflective democracy. And it's about being additive in terms of making sure that everybody's included, not that certain people will now be excluded. No, and yeah. that's a good point. And when, and when you watch the Republican convention next week, and I ch know, Chair, you're going you're gonna to get to that, it's, it's going to be completely flipped. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to hear what folks have said. Neha, what is your friend group? What is your group? Of, what have folks been talking about? What is it chatter about this? People are loving the personal stories. They are just so powerful. And to see everyday people being so invested in the political process, it makes you want to be invested in the political process. So a lot of what I've been hearing from my friends is that in this format of the convention, we were able to see more people, more diversity, you know, people from everywhere getting involved. And that's something I really liked. And a lot of my friends have been talking about that. And, and follow up to you, Neha. I mean, your generation is the basically been online your whole life, very uh, adept at using social media. And this was a form of, this was like perfect for your generation. Yes, definitely. Uh, tweeting, you know, Instagram, posting on our stories, quotes that we liked. People are, you know, putting those all over Instagram and Facebook. And I think, you know, that's even helping people that don't necessarily watch the whole convention. They're still able to be involved because they see clips, they see quotes on social media. So I think that's been really great. Yeah, thank you for that. And Brittany, I got to ask you because people, Joe Biden has a real connection with black voters, always has. Um, but he has Kamala Harris now. Was he able to, was, was, is that sort of having her, Kamala Harris here, did it free him up to focus on a different demographic? How do you think that dynamic works? Um, I just think that him having Kamala Harris on his ticket is kind of putting a fire under him and it wants him to do do more work. I'm thinking about um, how the morale of the election prior to her being selected, it was just like, where are we going to go with this? He was a little off in some of his speeches. You know, it just was, it was very disengaging and we were worried. But I think that it inspired us. Kamala represents a lot of people in this country, a lot of disenfranchised people. And so I think it's just going to draw us all together. Because she's so many things in yes. one person. Yes. And expound on that, please, because... She, I mean, it's like she checks like all these boxes. You know, her um, parents, immigrants, her mother's Indian, her um, father's Jamaican. So you have Caribbeans, you have um, Asian Americans, Black Americans, like we just all are connected and we all have been some sort of marginalization in this country. Yeah. It's going to bring some issues to the forefront. And I think she's the person for the job to get it done. They're going to be more side by side. I mean, she's going to be the vice president, but they're going to work together. Well, part of the strength yes. of that, Brittany, was not only that they all come from different places, but she is America all in one person. Yes, you know I mean? yes. Like a condensation of this whole feeling that this is an American, this is an American, this, oh, by the way, she's an American, whatever yes. combination yes. you want. And it, it's so historical. We have that feeling again that we had in 2008. All the images when I, when I was growing up and you would think, what is America? It was like apple pie and like, yeah. you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, and it was like, you kind of felt like, well, am I, and I'm an eighth Jamaican, by the way, you kind of think about like, am I really a part of this? But, and, and Neha, please comment, because your whole article uh, that you wrote in the Inquirer was about this very topic, although you use names as learning, learn to pronounce my yes. name as a way, but you, you 
you, it was about inclusivity. Right. You know, the name is just a small piece of, of the whole puzzle of how our, our political process is changing and we need to change with it. You know, Kamala Harris has presented us with a really great opportunity. I mean, in, in 2016, only 49% of eligible Asian American voters voted. So I, I hope that, you know, her candidacy will, you know, revitalize that population and, and get them involved, more involved in the political process. So I think that, you know, her as a symbol for South Asian girls, black girls, you know, reading about her, seeing her, it's going to be inspiring. And on top of that, we want her to act too on the issues. Yes. I'm really excited about, about the possibility that she offers. Her yeah. experience, her resume and experience definitely speaks for herself. And I think and she's, she's really up for the same. Unafraid. She's oh. unafraid. She dragged yes. Joe Biden. She dragged I, him too. I've been she wasn't afraid to drag him. Yeah. No, no. I've been, in, I've been in a room. I've been in a small room with her in a small group. And um, she's tough. She, yes. you know, she's really tough. And I think this role fits her very well right now. And because Biden wanted in the vice president what he felt he was to Barack Obama, and he considers it a partnership. And I think she considers it a partnership. And I think it's going to be, you know, God willing, they win. I think it's going to be just wonderful for the country. Comment. I was Go just want to say, as a black woman, like this is historical for us. You know, we're Nineteenth Amendment. You know, we're in that phase right at this moment. And I'm just like, this is expanding our opportunity. Her name alone. Speaking on uh, Neha's point in terms of names, we didn't have interest in doors because of our certain names that we had. So, you know, I'm wearing a head wrap today and I wasn't able to do that a long ago, you know, just to be in public spaces. You had yeah. to show up a certain way. Yeah, your hair was like a big conversation yes. in corporate America. Yes. Ooh, I used yes. to have those conversations. Um, Got to ask you this, Christine, though, because uh, people had said, you know, you know, because uh, Hillary Clinton, when she ran in 2016, people, a lot of people just couldn't, even though she got the vote, a lot of people just ran uh, command chief. Is uh, Kamala Harris as uh, vice president more palatable to more Americans such that the Democrats can get that undeniable win that they keep talking about and that they talked about throughout the convention? I think there were, you know, when you really look back at and you look at numbers, there were a lot of issues around the Hillary candidacy. First of all, you have to remember that over three million more people voted for Hillary than voted for um, Trump. So you got to, you know, it, she got the vote. Got to give her that credit. Give her credit yeah, there. Yeah. And second, there were a lot of other things that may have not gone well in that campaign, either her personally or how the campaign was run. And I think you've seen a very different America over the last four years. 2018 elections, midterms, 2019 local elections have really put women at the forefront. And I think people have shown that um, they're willing to vote for a, a woman um, who can get things done, who's organized to get things done. And Kamala Harris really crystallizes that. In all the elections she's won in the past, in all of the work she's done in the past, I'm, I mean this in a very positive way. You kind of forget sometimes that she's Black and Asian and everything else. She is a strong candidate for vice president. And all those other things to me are a plus, but she's a strong candidate for vice president. She knew how to, uh, to, to make a moment. I'll tell you that. It is not easy to make a moment. But I want to shift gears here. Larry, did they touch on all the issues? I think it was more thematic than it was, than it was issues, um, to, tell you, to tell you the truth. Because I think what the Democrats want to present is 
a sense of unity. We want to get away from, you know, COVID, all the all these different things. And I don't think you have to specifically say, I'm going to create so many jobs. I'm going to deal with systemic racism necessarily in this way. I'm going to do this in foreign policy. It's about trusting the messenger, um, you know, with their background and whatever. And I think that's what it was. That's what I saw more of. I, I, I saw more of, of themes than I think, than I think specific issues. And I think in this day and time, that is probably a good thing because I think the more that the Democrats and, and, and Biden and Harris can put out there, that is not going to get people on one side of the fence or, or the other. I think it's probably, um, you know, best for the democratic party and, and best for the election going forward. So I was very fine, uh, very good with the themes, you know, with, with all the speakers and, you know, they all struck me, you know, right in the heart. And I think that that's where the democratic party wants to be. And by the way, the issues and the specifics, that's what a campaign is about. But yeah. what this week did was it set, it set the table. And I, I got to ask you, Brittany, I mean, you got the hard job of, of whipping the voters up and getting folks to actually, like, not just talk about it, but be about it. It Does this kind of light the fire for the momentum to help you do your job? It's a piece of it, because there's a lot of other action steps that need to take place to really empower our people to want to be invested in the voter process. Because, again, like I said, we have a lot of issues that going on in our communities that they cannot directly relate sometimes, like connected to the voter process. If you think about a single mother who has children at home and she, you know, the education system is really frail in some of our communities. And then we have issues with criminal justice and they really don't sometimes know how to um, connect to having someone as representation in the political process. So that's why um, I don't, consider my job as hard. I just let them know, like, I am you. I'm from your community. I understand your your pain. And we have to really hone in on this election so we can make sure that your voice is truly heard and you have representation so we can see true change. You know, no, it go uh, goes back to Neha's point earlier of yes. don't give up on America and yes. don't give up on politics. And I think that's that's part of what Larry was talking about, too. We, we'll have plenty of time to talk about, really, you said what to Putin. But in the meantime, don't give up on politics. These are the issues. And that's why the, the polling of the, the states was so lovely, because you just saw the, the whole breadth of America. And my own personal favorite part of the, the, of the whole um, week was that this time next year piece that was in last yeah. night where was people were talking this time next year maybe we won't have to wear masks this time next year maybe we'll be fairly thought of on the on the international front and i think that goes to exactly what Brittany and Neha both said it was it's inspiring people yes and and they i gotta ask you this question you uh does that sort of light you know the light versus dark they did a whole like piece on that does that, how does that resonate with people? Because typically, and political, you know, uh, strategy, typically with messaging, the Democrats tend to go hope and the Republicans tend to go, we need help, security, we're not safe, you know, dark and Which one kind of draws you in? So I think hearing the, the way that Biden described the darkness definitely drew me in. 
I think part of what I wanted to hear, and I, I did hear this from him, but part of what I wanted to hear from everyone else was a little bit more of the, like, how are we going to actually fix things? So I, I liked the characterization of, of empathy and, and hope, you know, as you were saying, but, but beyond that, I wanted to hear more about how exactly is this going to get done? So I think that while that message of hope does draw me in, I think to keep voters there, specifically young voters, they need to give us a, like a little bit more of the specifics. I mean, I know I can go to JoeBiden.com and read it, but I, I also kind of wanted to hear it, you know, more throughout the four days. That's a good critique. Uh, so you wanted to hear the game plan. You felt that was a big gap in their messaging. Yeah. You'll hear it. And, um, you know, we have what, you know, a couple, a couple months for that. And obviously, you know, it's, 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 going, it's going to come out. But, you know, right now, I think it was just about getting people excited and setting, you know, setting the themes and setting, and setting the stage. And then when you start to get to specifics, you'll be able to be people who may not have liked Joe Biden before or whatever, been for other people. Now they've seen like a piece of him, they'll be able to accept it. Uh, it'll be easier for you to accept it. Yeah. Was this believable? I mean, part of it is they made Joe Biden look like he was like a saint. Did y'all get that vibe? I was like, Joe, oh my God, Joe Biden. I mean, it, it was the DNC. I mean, Cherry, it was the DNC. So, you know, <laughs> that's that's to be expected, you know, because they have to highlight, the Democratic Party have to highlight him and they really have to speak positively. Because if you think about things that's been transpiring, you know, throughout this, election cycle you know they got to pull out all the stops at this point yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did they make him a saint you know maybe close to it but you'll really never hear even from republicans bad things about about joe biden so right. you know it's it's a you know they talked about you know he's been knocked down you know so many times he's had so much tragedy you know you know whatever so i don't think he's a saint but um, I think he's a pretty good guy, and you and you hear that from you know from a lot of people. I mean, heck, I I turned on Fox News after his speech. They even gave him good good reviews. If if anybody watched Fox last night, which I thought was fascinating. I think they're gonna drag Kamala though. I, I do. <laughs> I feel like they're gonna drag. So that's a great transition, Christine. I'm throwing the ball to you. Uh, what are the Republicans gonna do to respond to this? Next week we'll hear about Hunter Biden. Um, next week, we'll hear about Burisma, and they're also going to make a big deal of the fact that in the past, Biden has kind of stretched the truth a little bit, as politicians do. Um, and I think that they're going to come up, but it's mostly nitpicky issues, and it's mostly little things. And they're also going to respond with a, did you see that? Did that really look like the America you live in? And I think it's going to go back to the thing that we all have talked about is the glory of, of this week in terms of the reflective democracy. I think we're going to start going back to the dark side. And that's what you're going to see next week. Because yeah. there are a lot of people afraid of white people losing their power. And yeah. I think to that point, Christine, he does have to be more responsive when it comes to some of the issues and concerns in the African-American community. The 94 crime bill was something major that I really don't think he still has he still has to address some things in that and Trump has been using that to sort of uh say he's done a lot for African Americans yes and and, and that sort of switches uh that so what do you think the Republicans have a chance of of chipping off some of the diverse voters 
Uh, and what would be their messaging around around there? You know, Jared's big accomplishment this year in terms of um, freeing people and getting the the um, uh, convictions down and how people are treated and. You know, he's going to go after that. He did that more for everybody else. You're going to hear over and over again that before the virus, that black people had more jobs than they'd ever had before. I mean, he's going to return to those kind of themes, but they're hard to listen to when he's saying them next to Kamala Harris. It's hard to listen to when people don't have jobs now. They're harder to listen to when, um, when you look at the percentage of, you know, how horribly affected the black and brown communities are by the virus. It's hard to say, yes, but except for the virus, we gave you a lot right. of jobs. And so right. that's the part, I don't know how they're going to, I hope they don't do it well, but I can't figure out how they're going to do it. Yeah. He needs to talk about his friends that, um, the campaign money for the wall that we're taking money. He needs to talk about his friends. I mean, that came out days before they, oh Lord, this, this is a mess. And so we're, we're about to wrap up, but before we do, I got to ask, what are the next steps, you know, in this process? I mean, you know, there was the, the fight, you know, now the coming together and the rally, but there's 70 plus days till the election. What is going to be, the focus over these next 70 plus days? The focus for Democrats, what's for everybody, is, is going to be turnout. But I think that what we're always going to have to look at is all these other external factors. And these are the things that, that worry me. Obviously, about doing an election um, in a pandemic, are people going to go to the polls? Are people going to vote by mail? I'm involved um, with an initiative that encourages people to vote by mail. You know, say it's safe. But are they going to undermine confidence, you know, in the post office? What are the Russians going to do? And the one thing the Republicans always do, and we, we, we've seen it, is, is voter suppression. And voter suppression in an environment like this is, is a little easier than, than in the past, you know, unfortunately. So I think we just have to get a clear path to voting. And Democrats just have to get, get their people out, the people who didn't come out for, for Hillary Clinton, and, and they'll be fine. And, the, and at the end of the day, it's really about Donald Trump. When, you, when you're in an election where there is an incumbent, it is a referendum on the incumbent. So they have to keep the spotlight on, on Trump. And for all the horrible things he's, he's done, I would say he's probably going to be judged on, on COVID and, 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 and on the response. And that's, and that's where they have to keep the focus. Yeah, there, there has to be focus on getting people in, in a non-traditional way to pay attention, to get registered, and to do all the things they would normally do by knocking on doors and having rallies. And they, how, how are you going to get, because there's a lot of people who are first-time voters, first-time uh, presidential election voters, um, and they're not getting the type of support that they would normally get. How do you get these folks engaged? Right, yeah, I'm, and I'm a first-time voter myself, so I'm really excited to try to get others engaged as well. And I think that social media has been a great way to involve people because there's so many students that during this pandemic have created websites that are, go to this website and it tells you exactly how to register to vote in your state. You know, oh, text me and I'll tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. You know, click on this link and it'll bring you here. So I think that through social media, we're going to be able to reach a lot of people to register to vote and vote. But more than that, I think reach people in communities that that traditionally haven't voted. And you know, I think that's what will really be important for the Democrats to do in this election is reach those people that haven't felt heard before. Because in the convention, you know, they showed us that they see us. They showed people from all over the country that 
you know, look differently, speak differently. So I'm hoping that they'll continue to show us that they want us to vote. Yeah. And I got to ask final question before we go to the wrap up, Christine, Brittany. I mean, uh, this is Pennsylvania is critical, critical to this. How can we make sure Pennsylvania shows up? And, and Brittany, starting with you, the, I mean, a lot of black voters didn't show up in 2016 and it made a difference. It does make a difference. But the fortunate thing is people are woke at this moment, <laughs> if that means anything. People are aware. They understand what's going on. We're in the middle of civil unrest. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We have a lot of disparities going on and people are connected. So I think more than ever, they want change. People are fighting for change. They want to see a difference and they know they cannot do that with Donald Trump representing them in this country. Byron out of control. So at this point, you have to be living under a rock to think that we are going to just accept and, you know, things that are going on in our communities. Even with the uh, post office and their issues that to try to further voter yeah. suppression, we are going to fight. We are going to fight. And Christina, in the last four years have really answered the question that people asked in 2016, which was, does it really make a difference? You know, um, hey, one is this, one is this. Is there really a big difference between them? I think Trump has really answered the question. It makes a huge difference who we vote for. And the yes. issues in Pennsylvania are going to be mobilizing people at all levels to make sure that they're voting for all levels. And so we have trickle up and trickle down voting so that it's a consistent pattern of getting people out to vote. Their vote matters at every level. And this is what you need to do because it makes a difference who you elect. And don't look at, and, and to your point, in the Black community, don't look at us as a monolith. Really understand, when you are engaging the Black voters, there are different demographics within the Black community, and there are different issues that we want addressed. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting because this is Flashpoint. We do need to wrap this up. Did the Democrats build the coalition that will get them over the finish line with an undeniable win? Yes, no, maybe, and give me your case. I think yes. I think they've, they've put together the coalition, and Donald Trump is making the case himself for the Democrats. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be rough. It's going to be uncomfortable. But I think in the end, it's going to be a good thing. I agree. I think that the, the case was made that this is, as, I, as I've said before, this is a reflective democracy. The case was made that we all have to be part of this. And one of the fascinating thing was they delivered it over and over again about how important your vote is and to make sure you have a plan for voting. And so, you know, going to Larry's point before, the, the campaign itself is going to be around a lot of issues, but I think we're going to be seeing the two sides that it makes a difference who your president is, and therefore you have to vote for um, Biden and all the Democrats, and you have to get out and vote. And I think that those, they made those points very clear. Neha Brittany, final words. Yes, I, I would definitely agree that the, the convention, I think, kicked it off on a great note, but I want to see more action. I think this is a great way to start, you know, showing us that they hear us, but I also want to see them act on the issues that matter to so many Americans. So still more work to do, Britt. Closing it I out. I have to agree with Neha. Still more work to do. But I'll all tell right, you, well, but, but, but I'll tell you, Chair, but as I tell my youngest daughter, the work cannot start and change cannot happen until Trump is out of the White House. And that's the first step. Well, I want to say thank you so much to Christine Jacobs, 
to Neha Mukherjee, Larry Spicer, and Brittany Smalls for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Thanks, Thanks so Larry. Next up, they're using cycling as a socially distanced method to register voters. There really is a need for folks to do something. The innovative way these cyclists are hoping to get out the vote. We'll be right back. Hey, Flashpoint family, if you like what you hear, why don't you stick around and take a listen to some of our past episodes or our Flashpoint extras. One example is our exclusive interview with the one and only DJ Jazzy Jeff. He contracted COVID-19. He had some dark moments, but he survived. Take a listen to his journey. Another example is our past newsmaker of the week, Andrew Wyatt. He's spokesman for actor and comedian Bill Cosby. He explains why they're petitioning the governor to hopefully get the cause out of jail early. All of this and more please subscribe to the podcast and rate and review now back to the show welcome back to flashpoint i'm cherry greg be sure to subscribe to the flashpoint podcast by downloading the radio.com app apple podcast app or other platforms all you have to do is search flashpoint now we here at kw we are all about community and the countdown is on for the 2020 election a local nonprofit created free t-shirts that make it easy to register to vote in Pennsylvania in a socially distanced way. They're using a fun pastime to do it. We're here to talk about Cycle to Vote. It's our Patriot Home Care Changemaker and co-founder, Greg Burton. Welcome to Flashpoint, Greg. Thank you so much for having me, Cherry. It's a pleasure to be here. So what exactly is Cycle to Vote? Cycle to Vote is really a grassroots uh, nonprofit organization that was created by a group of friends, including myself and neighbors, Um, avid cyclists, athletes, walkers, hikers, who were really interested in trying to do something um, for the November 2020 election. You know, we see a lot of things happening in this country that people tend to be upset with. We see voter suppression, particularly in the primaries. Uh, They they drastically reduced the number of polling sites and had a a lot of folks, particularly in black and brown communities, voting in one location. and, And we just said, wow, like we need to do something here. So it was the biggest way that we could make an impact. And that's simply create this nonpartisan effort to register people to vote in the state of Pennsylvania. We've tried to create the easiest way to do that. So you guys have t-shirts and they have a special situation going on. Explain it. We're cycled to vote. I don't know if you can see the t-shirt. Yes, I can. We have our, our website cool. on the phone. It's www.cycledovote.com. And if you go to our site, we literally have, have aggregated information from all the Pennsylvania government and state sites and put it right there front and center so people can go directly to that information. What's really cool about the shirts is that on the back we put two QR codes. And so people can literally walk up to this shirt, scan the codes. One is for uh, a direct access to register to vote application. It takes you right there, right on your phone. And the second one is for the mail-in ballots where you can, uh, it takes you right to the application for the mail-in ballot. These have really taken off. It's unbelievable how many folks are you know, they see uh, people bike riding or walking. Last couple of weeks ago, we were at the Black Lives Matter protest and we're handing them out to young kids. And we were saying, listen, protesting is awesome, but are you registered to vote too? And so we handed those out and that was a big hit. And so it's just kind of has this domino effect where different nonprofit organizations want to partner with us. And we're just trying to get the word out. Yeah. A lot of restaurants are using the QR codes to yes. pull up menus. Why not use it to pull up voter registration materials? It makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. I mean, you don't have to wait to do it. I think a lot of people are confused about the process. 
And it's really simple with technology these days. So tell us a little bit about your background and why you decided to get more civically involved. I've been an active member of the community, really helping uh, disadvantaged youth uh, through Big Brothers Big Sisters. Um, I I work there. I'm the VP of marketing there. We see things uh, that happen on a daily basis that really impact our families with the whole COVID situation, uh, with the social unrest that's going across the country. Evidently clear that people who are economically disadvantaged aren't afforded the same opportunities as others. And when we look at what's happening from a voting perspective, Um, A lot of them are not getting the information. Um, A lot of them are not getting access to polling. And now um, I've even seen myself firsthand going to the post office. Uh, They've they've eliminated the number of uh, post office mailboxes in neighborhoods. There really is a a need for folks to do something. And um, through the work with Big Brothers Big Sisters, we're able to um, impact Um, those folks directly and reach out to them directly. So I just wanted to try to combine what's happening with the November election with what I do for a living and help the folks who need it most. And so people can get involved? Anybody can get involved. In fact, we've just gone up and down Kelly Drive and we're handing out t-shirts to folks. And it's, it's amazing how many people you'll meet and what organizations they're connected to. So we are really opening up to anyone who wants to participate with us. They can either volunteer with us to help get the word out They can ask for t-shirts and distribute them to people who they think would be uh, interested in and getting people to register to vote. Does Cycle to Vote have a goal? You know, it's interesting. We we thought big and was like, wow, what if we could get 15,000 people to register? But it's really difficult because there's no tracking mechanism. Like once we release the information, um, we can't tell if they actually went online and registered. Um, only through the people that we do directly. So I I would say if we could even influence 5,000 voters or 2,000 voters, I'd be more than happy. This, I want to stress, is a touchless, uh, contact-free method of handing out that information. Absolutely. I've had responses from New York, um, New Jersey, as far away as Colorado, um, Atlanta, Georgia, of people who've seen what we've done. And it was like, wow, we'd like to partner with you and do this in our own states. For anyone out there who might be interested, we're happy to give away, you know, our website, um, our logo and have people use it and, and, and really just get on board with registering folks to vote. Yeah. And uh, just so for folks who don't know what a QR code is, it's literally like <laughs> a code that you can use your cell phone, take a uh, your yeah. cell phone camera, take a picture of it, and what opens is a little drop box that takes you to a web address. Directly, you know, fill out applications for mail-in ballot or regular registration for uh, in-person voting. So I think that's a, a great idea. How can people support you, uh, provide funding? Because I know those t-shirts aren't free. We actually started a GoFundMe page, which is on our website. We have no overhead costs. We're all volunteering our expertise and our skills. Um, our only cost is the t-shirt. So we're taking any amounts. It could be as small as $5, whatever. And that's on a GoFundMe page on uh, cycledevote.com. People can follow us if they want to see what we're up to at cycledevote on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Anybody who gets a shirt from us, we'd love for them to take photos and videos of maybe what voting means to them or even just doing some cool activity. Uh, We've got a few folks do that and it's, it's a lot of fun. So we're trying to make this an educational process, a fun process, and also a serious process because people just absolutely need to exercise their right and make their voice heard. Yeah, all the candidates have been, who's gonna be available to, to be voted for, it's out there, don't wait. 
register to vote now and then cast your ballot by mail as soon as you can. Thank you so much, Greg Burton. Cycle to vote. Thank you for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this news. Are you disappointed in the timing of your home care paycheck? Or are you being paid at all? Call Patriot Home Care today and know that your paycheck will arrive on time and that you'll be well paid. As a leading home care provider in Pennsylvania, Patriot offers the most comprehensive benefits package in the state. You can qualify for free health care, 401k retirement benefits, paid sick time and vacations, and time and a half pay for holidays. Who doesn't like that, right? So you can call Patriot Home Care today at 877-535-5550. That's 877-535-5550. Again, it's 877-535-5550. Flashpoint is produced by Cherry Gregg and associate producer Ariane Fulcher. Thanks for listening. That's it for the Flashpoint podcast. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. You can also follow me at Cherry Gregg. If there is an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. As former President Franklin D. Roosevelt once said, democracy cannot succeed unless those who express their choice are prepared to choose wisely. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Until next week, thanks for listening.